Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Thank you for this time, this uh, time to, to speak to you guys and share what the Lord has put on my heart. I really do appreciate it. Pastor Taylor, in his absence, he's on his staycation. He called me um, last night. Uh, he said his staycation. He's still in town. And he was like, I'm, doing, I'm still doing a whole lot of work. So I told him, you need to stop working. You need to uh, really rest. Um, so we do pray for him in his absence that he will get some rest and um, really come back rejuvenated and really um, be with the Lord during this time so we can hear from the Lord what's on his heart when he returns. I'm going to be speaking today about harnessing emotional highs and lows. And honestly, I did not know that they were going to be doing the skit this morning until this morning. Um, I think Pastor did mention it last night. He said they were doing a, skit, a dance. He said a dance. And I was like, okay. Um, but yeah, it was really great because it really ties into uh, somewhat what I'm going to be speaking on, just about how uh, life will give you emotional highs and lows and how we should harness that um, for the purpose and the will of God and not be thronged to and fro like the young lady was. She was really just in a whirlwind, a roller coaster of emotions that she went through. Um, but we want to harness that and really be led by the Spirit. So let me open up with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy in our lives. We thank you for just being a great and awesome God. And we love and appreciate you. Uh, you are wonderful. You are great in mercy, great in grace. Uh, so we just pray right now that you just speak to our hearts and that our hearts will be open to hear what you have to say to us on today. Uh, and that we will be changed individuals. Uh, it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so harnessing emotional highs and lows. I will say uh, we have been moving this week um, in Lynchburg. We just moved from a different house to another home. And um, so, therefore, I couldn't find my – we have so many boxes in the house. I could not find my dress shoes. Um, and we were going to stop to the store to go buy some. And I was like, no, I'm gonna, we're just going to go because we're running late. I don't want to be any later. I'm, we're going to rock and roll with these sneakers and this attire right here. So – uh, and it works for me, I think, so you might see it again. Don't... <laughs> Anytime that my wife will allow me to get away with not wearing a tie or dress shoes, I'm going to use it because she stays on me uh, to make sure I look presentable. So I'm going to say, oh, great, you know, I can wear some sneakers to church. That's great. Uh, some of you have that freedom already. That's not a freedom in my house that I have. So <laughs> I know that there's an expectation that I wear certain things when I come to church. <laughs> and I'll say, well, so-and-so doesn't wear that. You're not them. <laughs> so uh, you got to know who you married to. <laughs> um, but harnessing emotional highs and lows. We want to start in uh, Mark uh, chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. And um, we're going to just go through this. I have just a couple, just a few things to share. And I will say I'm going to move this here. I'm trying to do something different, so I'm trying to use this. I'm trying to be more up to date. Uh, my wife said, don't try nothing, anything new. <laughs> You're going to mess something up. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I got it worked out, so we're going to be all right with this right here. If I do go to the notes, then something went wrong on this. And um, I do need this last page, so I do think I need that because I didn't put that on there. Um, but yeah, harnessing emotional highs and lows. We're going to look at Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. And it reads, At that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven 
being torn open and the spirit descended on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love and you I am well pleased with you. I am well pleased at once. The spirit sent him out into at once. The spirit sent him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted. The Greek for the word tempted also means tested in this sense, tempted by Satan. Uh, he was with the wild animals and angels attended to him. So we can look at this. Uh, we were just talking about Jesus and we can look at this as a, a definite high and immediate, immediate tri uh, trial that came after that. And that uh, Jesus was being baptized and he was a sense of, you know, we did baptizes, baptism two weeks ago. And those of you who are baptized, I can I can. Sure, that was a spiritual high for you. You were excited to do that. And before the congregation and, you know, when your family members looked on with appreciation and they were proud of you for making that outward commitment, assuring the world that you are now made an inward change. And so Jesus is partaking in baptism. I'm sure he was excited. And his father said, I am well pleased with you. You know, so that was a great time. I'm sure emotionally that he felt really good. But immediately, he says, as soon as that happened, that emotional high, immediately he goes, say, spirit leads him into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted or tested by Satan. Isn't it just like life where you have these, these highs where, you know, things are really great and, you know, you're awesome. And sometimes those, those highs can come within the week. They didn't have to be month to month. Sunday could be your high. You feel great and you feel charged up and ready to face the week. And Monday morning at eight o'clock when you get to work, you feel defeated and down in the dumps and like, what in the world? Uh, it can be, it can be just like that for some of us. It can be in the morning. I felt great. By the afternoon, I feel horrible. Um, so we are all have those emotional highs and lows. Um, but I just want to share with you, uh, I think it's eight. Let me go back through. I think it's eight or nine. I might have added a few. No, it's eight. Okay, good. Just eight points. <laughs> uh, I want to share with you just about how to harness your emotional highs and lows. It's just some, under, some things you should understand when we go through those emotional highs and lows. Because you will go through the emotional highs and lows. If you're living and you will or you have gone through emotional highs where you had great time and then tragedy strikes and hits you and they're suffering. Um, one thing I do want us to understand that the first thing um, when we're going through those emotional highs and lows is that one, Christ understands our weaknesses. Um, in Hebrew 14 and 15, it reads, uh, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. And so we have a high priest who understands us. It's not someone, sometimes as a child, you, and I can imagine, um, I was a child once, yes, um, that my, par I, my parents felt, I, did, I felt like my parents didn't understand me. You know, oh, they were never a child. They can't, they were, or when they were a child, things were so different then. And so now that I'm a child in this age, you know, they just don't understand the emotions that I go through or what I have to deal with. And I can see my son saying that now um, as I say that. And so, yeah, we can think that they are, there's this gap between your parent and a child, especially if you have teenagers. And I know those of you who have teenagers are nodding your head, yes. 
uh, <laughs> and the, the mediator is Jesus Christ in that relationship. But uh, there's that gap that you feel like th- that child just doesn't understand life, and the child feel, feels like this parent, my parents just don't understand me and what I'm going through. Um, but luckily, we have a high priest who understands our weaknesses and what we go through and understands the emotional highs and lows in life. He himself experienced one, uh, as I read before. So one, we have a high priest that understands. So in that understanding, we can take rest assured that when we pray to him, he understands what we're going through. This is not foreign to him. This is not something that, uh, you know, we feel like oh, Jesus doesn't understand what I'm going through. He was perfect or he didn't deal with those things. But it says in the scripture, uh, he was tempted in every way uh, just as we are. And yet he was without sin. And so he understands us Two. Uh, the second thing we need to know when we harness in our emotional highs and lows, because, and I do want to make, I should go backtrack. Um, there are spiritual highs that we, we need to uh, take account of and also spiritual lows or lows that we have in life. And both of them can cause problems if we, um, if we use them the wrong way, if we feel, if we, uh, if we don't put those things into motion the right way, we can get stuck on a spiritual high and stay there and want to stay there and not move forward, just as we can get stuck in a spiritual low and stay there and not want to move forward uh, or not wanting or not allowing the spirit to lead us. So we feel like we've come to the epitome of what we need to uh, get and we stay there. And the Lord is saying, well, I'm, I've moved on from there. And I'm at the next point and you're wanting to stay at that high or at that position or you wanted to recreate that experience. And God has said, I'm going to create a new experience in your life. So highs and lows can be looked at negatively and positively in both ways. So I don't want you to think that, oh, it's a high is a good thing. Not necessarily. If you want to stay there uh, and not be led by that spirit, ultimately, then that that is not a good thing. Uh, but when we want to Christ, Christ understands our weaknesses. Uh, and then the second thing, trust that ultimately suffering will end in victory, which is a spiritual truth that what we suffer now um, will end in victory. We will have the victory, uh, whether in this life or in the afterlife, we have the victory. Romans eight eighteen says, for I reckon for the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. So the word says, and this promise is that no matter what you're going through now, it cannot be compared to what the glory that will be revealed in you. Um, and I would say that the more you go through, the more glory that it will be revealed in us and, and, and through you. Um, so that ultimately suffering will end in victory. Um, the third thing, trust God's words, not your emotions. Um, even the emotional high. Sometimes you can have a false sense of security, uh, which is not good. But trust God's words and word and not your emotions. Uh, the scripture is a valuable weapon in our war with Satan. Satan misused the scripture when tempting Jesus. But Jesus used the scripture to rightly point to an eternal truth about God. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious for anything, but in every situation by prayer and supplication, uh, and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all of understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Um, 
So that's what we're wanting. We shouldn't be worried about anything. If we are trusting in God's word, we shouldn't be anxious. We should pray uh, and with thanksgiving, uh, we should present our requests, knowing that he hears us and he will do something on our behalf. Uh, whether we like it or not, he will do something. Um, and in eight um, of that same Philippians four, eight says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Um, so again, thinking about his word will keep you uh, will and not your emotions, focusing on his word and not your emotions. So focusing on whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, not on the bad things that are going on. Yeah, you might not like your boss. You might not like your pay. You might not like the car you drive, the house you live in. Uh, and, but don't focus on those things. That, that, let that not be your determining factor for how you will feel and present yourself to the rest of the world. But focus on what is true, what is pure, what is noble, what is right, what is lovely, what is admirable, what is praiseworthy. And that is in his word. If you focus on his word and not your emotions, you will be able to harness those emotional highs and lows into propelling you to be led by the spirit in what God wants you to do. Um, number four. So we've done, we've done three. Christ understands our weakness. Um, trust that ultimately suffering will end in victory. The third thing, trust God's words, not your emotions. And then fourth, let the spirit man rule. And this is where we have the problem because we think we control everything. <laughs> uh, and our society tells us that you control everything. You're your own boss. You're independent. You make your own decisions. Uh, and we have bought into that idea that I'm my own man or woman and I can do what I want to do. And sometimes we teach that to our children and we say, well, when you get grown, you can do what you want to do. You can never do what you want to do, really, because I can't do what I want to do. And thank God I can't do what I want to do. Um, but I want to be led by the spirit. And so at all times in our life, we should be teaching you want to be led by the spirit. So no matter how old you get, you're not going to do what you want to do. Um, or you want to be led by the spirit. So Romans 8 and 11 said, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead also quicken your mortal bottles, body, bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So his spirit is in us. And the reason that his spirit is in us so that we, he can, his spirit can lead us. It is not just there just for the gifts or just for show or just to, you know, I don't know, look good on Sundays. <laughs> His spirit is there to lead us, to guide us, to comfort us. And so um, we want to be led by the spirit, not man rule. So we want the spirit man to rule us and not ourselves. In doing so, allowing the spirit man to rule the fifth thing you want to do in harnessing your emotional highs and lows is die to the flesh. So in order for the spirit man to lead or to rule, we're going to have to die to the flesh. We're going to have to mortify the deeds of the flesh. Um, your spirit isn't dominated by lust or desire. Um, you know, 
we're operating in the flesh most of the time. And, and our emotions are important. They're not things that God gave us emotions for a reason. They're not all, all, all bad things. But we should not be led by our emotions. The word says that we should walk by our emotions and not by sight. <laughs> we walk by faith and not by sight. So not, not necessarily what I sense or feel or see is always what I should be led by. But I'm led by the spirit. Not my emotions. My, my emotions will not determine the day that I have, who I will speak to, how I will speak to them, uh, who I won't speak to. We have to be mature enough to say, I am not going to be led by my emotions, but I will be led by the Spirit. Um, so in being led by the Spirit, which is the fourth thing, and then dying to the flesh, uh, once you are, you will continually die to the flesh. You also, as you're killing the flesh or mortifying the deeds of the flesh, you want to also renew your mind. So it's kind of a twofold thing here. You're going to be uh, killing the flesh, be stabbing it, <laughs> poking it, burning it up, whatever you're going to do to kill, mortify these deeds of the flesh. But at the same time, you're going to be putting in some new things. And that is the renewing of the mind. Uh, uh, Philippians 4 Philippians 2, 4 through 6 says, look not every man of his own, look not every man on his own things, but every man also the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in a fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So as we renew our minds, what we want to do is what Jesus did in this situation with becoming a servant, with humility and obedience, even unto death. We want to be led by the spirit. So in our renewing of our minds, it should be in humility it should be in service, and it should, it should be in service, and it should be in obedience. As you renew your mind in those three areas, uh, and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you, um, I, I, I feel that you will be able to harness your emotions. You'll be able to put those things and be practical about it, and say, you know what, I. I may not feel like going to church on Sunday, but just my life is not dictated by how I feel. Because I feel a hundred different ways in one minute sometimes. You can ask my wife. I'm, me and my daughter are more, white, more alike, and my wife and my son are probably more alike in attitude. Um, and, and even speaking with my daughter, I understand her because I get it. <laughs> my, my son and my wife are probably more black and white. They, they, it's, it's always this and that. That's it. You know, that's, that's it. Me and my daughter, we live in the gray. <laughs> we kind of live in the shades of gray, and we say, well, it could be that... And then hey, you thought about this, and it also could be this as well. And, you know, I hadn't thought about this, and I can under, I understand her. I get it. And my wife gets so annoyed sometimes, I think. Um, <laughs> but I understand it because, you know, you have all these things going on. You're like, yeah, it could be this. And you're like, just make a decision. You know, just, <laughs> just do this or that. It's, it's, it's not always that simple. It's not always black and white. Uh, to some people it is. And those of you who are always black and white, you understand that. And those of you who live in the gray like me, you understand that as well. And so that's why we're different. Uh, God has made us diverse people for various gifts and reasons. Uh, but it is important. Uh, so, yeah. So 
in renewing your mind, you want to renew your mind um, with service and obedience and humility. Uh, and, and allowing that to um, harness your emotional highs and lows. Uh, and also, I want to continue to read, I'm sorry, I stopped reading short in Philippians 4 and, and read past 6. And it goes on to, where is it? I got it on different pages here. Um, I'm starting starting at 13. For it is God which worketh in you both the will and to do of his good pleasures. Do all things without murmuring or disputings or disputes. Uh, That ye may be blameless and harmless to sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights to the world. This is so important because if we are not... uh, Harnessing our emotional highs and lows, and we're not in control or allowing the Holy Spirit to control our emotions, then we will look like the world in their murmurings and disputes. And if we look like the world, uh, when it says we'll be in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you should be lights to the world, how are we going to be lights to the world if we look just like them and they're dark? Uh, they're crooked and perverse. And if, we, if we're the ones that were complaining and murmuring about everything and every situation, the world is looking at you, the Christian, saying, well, I don't want her, Jesus, because she's complaining as much as I'm complaining. She she's, has the same disposition as I have. You know, she's upset and angry just as much as the guy down the street is. Why would I need that? I already have that. I don't need that. I don't. And and so therefore we have to be the light of the world. And it is so important for us to allow the the Holy Spirit to work in us the will and to do of his good pleasures so that we are not murmuring and complaining that we're not in disputes, that we're not upset and angry, that we're not showing a disposition of of hate or dishonor. And now the Lord is and now the, the, the world is looking at us just like them and we're not showing any light and our, our shine is gone our salt we're not being salt more like pepper <laughs> maybe cumin or some some other spice but definitely not salt <laughs> um, we're not adding any seasoning uh, they find no flavor in us we're just as bland just like everyone else and we we shouldn't be just like everyone else We shouldn't represent just like everyone else. We shouldn't have the same attitude and disposition just like everyone else. Uh, There's at my job. There's a couple of things going on at work and with business and uh, people changing positions and some people getting demoted, some people getting promoted. And there's a lot of rumblings going on. And so uh, one person came up to me and said, "You don't seem to be bothered by all any of it." I said, "No, I'm not." (laughs) You know. Uh, the word says that why worry? I can't add any height. If I worried about my height, I can't add any height to myself. I can't do anything about it. Um, it, it is what it is. And I told myself, I, I can't do anything about what's going on here. I can only do my job and try to do it to the best of my ability. Why would I worry myself about something that I have no control over, that I can't change at all? And he was like, well, I guess you're right. I guess we shouldn't worry about it. I said, yeah, ain't there's nothing you can do. If something happens, it's going to happen. I pray that it doesn't. But if it does, 
I'm going to be all right. I'm not worried about it. He's like, well, that's a good, that's a good thing to do. But then I see some other Christians who are just as worried as everyone else is. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we have to keep things in perspective. We have to be the light that someone can come to and not be in a, you know, we can't be in the crisis situation as the ones who are falling apart. Um, I often tell my son that it's like, you know, if something goes down versus I can't, I have to depend on you. If not, I'm not, I'm not there to take care of things. You can't be screaming and yelling just like everyone else is. You got to man up. You got to put your big boy pants on and come on and handle things if I'm not there. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so sometimes you got to tell yourself, come on, put your big boy pants on, your, whatever you put on. <laughs> whatever you tell yourself, and we can do it. We can go through this. I'm not going to fall apart. I'm not going to, it's, it's going to be okay. And, and David said he had to encourage himself sometimes. Sometimes you don't have your, your own cheerleading beside you, cheering you on like some football teams. You know, you have to encourage yourself. You have to, you know, do it yourself. Some football teams didn't have cheerleaders, I'm sure. And they have to find it within themselves to kind of win and, and do this thing. So we have to be our own cheerleaders in our own corner sometimes. And even sometimes we have to pat ourselves on the back. So when we have those highs and we're looking for others' approval, we can't, we're not always going to get the pat on the back, you know, and we have to pat our own selves on the back and say, you know, you did a good job and let's keep it moving. Uh, let's not stay there, but recognize that you're proud of yourself or whatever you accomplished and then move on. But we're not going to stay there and be hauled to you or proud about it or, or, or represent pride in that manner. Um, six. So the sixth thing we want to talk about um, is eternal focus leads to eternal choices. Um, so Jesus was not about the temporary pleasures of the moment. He was uh, not about the fame for himself at this point in his life. He was focused on understanding that God had called him to bring fame to God and not to himself. So that is why when the enemy tempted him, he wasn't moved by that because it wasn't about me. It's not about what I want, what my needs are. It's about the Holy Spirit in me, working in me, what he's leading me to do. It's about Jesus. It's about God. It's not about me. And Jesus understood that. And he always pointed to the Father. He always said what the Father, my Father tells me this. My Father told me this. You know, he's pointing you back to the Father. And, and that's as we should be doing, pointing you to Jesus. It's not about me. It is about Jesus. It's not about what I can get. Um, it was so poignant when I just, when, um, when Nathan was throwing out the money. <laughs> and and that, isn't that how in the world we feel? I feel, I was like, gosh, I feel like that sometimes. That I'm chasing after trying to get some money to pay bills. And just like that, you're scrambling, you know, just trying to grab it out of the air, if whatever you can do to get it. And as soon as you get it, he comes and takes it away. And I said, this is, <laughs> this is very accurate uh, indeed. But that depiction was just so clear that sometimes we are chasing after these things that are so fleeting. And we get emotionally caught up in it. We get so tied to it. Um, and it's gone. You can't take any of it with you. It, it is not going to matter 50 years from now whether I made 10 extra dollars. You know, no one's going to care. You know, my children won't, won't say that. You know, I wish you would have made, you know, they're going to say, <laughs> I want to spend time with you. I want to, you want to know you more. I want you to be invested in my life. Our, our kids, and I, I always try to take advantage of this time because they, they like to be with us. And, our, and it's, you know, it's a good thing. You know, they like to, oh, let's, let's get together and watch a movie. And I, and I always like, wow. 
this will not happen, you know, a few years from now. <laughs> so let's take advantage of that opportunity to really spend time with them. They want to do, let's play a game together. They like that stuff. You know, when they get, get Nathan and Emily's age, they probably don't like that anymore. <laughs> Look at Emily, she's like, no, they don't. Um, but yeah, so taking advantage of those moments are precious and not getting emotionally tied to things that are fleeting, that will leave, that will not matter, um, that are not eternal. Uh, but our focus should be on eternal things that's going to produce a legacy and not, you know, is going to burn up, you know, 15 years from now. No one would, no one would care. No one will even, you won't even remember why you worked so hard uh, or why you did the things that you were doing. Let's make eternal choices. Uh, and focus on eternal things and not on the things that are temporal uh, that we'll leave. We're at seven, let the peace of God rule in our hearts. Uh, Paul gives us the answer in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Now, this takes a while to experience. It takes some growth. You have to mature so that you're able to distinguish between, between things of the flesh and things of the spirit. But allowing the peace of God to mature and rule in your heart. And when the peace of God rules in your heart, you will not be swayed by your emotions, you know, whether they're up or down, whether they're left or right, good or bad, you're going to allow the peace of God to rule your heart. And when you allow him to take seat in your heart, he's, you know, you're looking to the Holy Spirit to lead you and making decisions, and you're not just going to do things flippantly. You're not just going to go out there and do whatever. And, you know, you're going to allow that peace to rule. And you won't be shaken. You know, it's like a, a house with a good foundation. Uh, when the storm comes, you won't be shaken. You won't be torn. You won't be swayed to and fro. Uh, but you'll be able to stand. And then finally, um, learn to forgive yourself and others. Um, Matthew six fifteen says, but if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And sometimes we're, we'll easily forgive other people and not forgive ourselves for things that have gone on in our lives. Um, and Jesus was great at forgiving. In Luke 23, 34, while he was on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Uh, and that is the epitome of forgiveness. Well, while the people are crucifying you, you ask forgiveness for their sake. Um, and so let's learn to forgive. Um, even when you have the emotional highs and, and we do all have them and experience them. And when you're flipping or when you're short, you know, learn to forgive yourself, learn to forgive others and move past that. Let's not harbor on that. Let's not keep record of that. My wife has a good memory. I, I realized that even as we're moving um, because she couldn't find my shoes this morning. But she finds it. I can say, where is this? Oh, it's in a box in this room over there in that corner. It's like, well, how in the world you know this stuff? We just threw this stuff in. I can't. I don't know where anything is. Uh, I think it's over here in this. And she, she was right most of the time. Uh, but let us uh, learn to forgive ourselves and forgive others. Let us not. Um, love is... It's easy to forgive. It, has, it keeps no track of the wrong. And we don't want to be keeping ticks of how, how many times that person at the office annoyed me. 
So now it's, you know, after the third time. Sometimes it's the first time for some of you. Sometimes you might do three. Some people get to ten. Then I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. <laughs> after this, I'm only going to take but so much. Um, but as children of God, uh, we should be forgiving others and forgiving ourselves. Um, so that's all I want to leave with you. In, in what areas are, you know, just ask yourselves this question, what, in what areas are you finding the spiritual battles begin uh, begin fought in your life. So whatever I'm sorry. In what areas are you finding the spiritual battles being fought in your life? So what areas are you finding that there's a battle being fought in your life? How are you dealing with them? What temptations are you facing that you need to evaluate from a eternal position versus a temporary perspective? Um, as the body of Christ, we need to encourage one another to be careful of the lows that can follow spiritual highs and the highs that follow spiritual lows. We need to learn to live on the consistent path of obedience and dependence in order to live the life, the kind of life that God has called us to live. So our lives are not swayed to and fro. We are not up and down. That We're not making decisions based off of our temporary mood but looking at a looking from it from an eternal perspective. Um, and that's all I have. Praise the Lord for wanting us and being concerned about our emotional well-being that the Lord will share with us that he, he is concerned and wants to wants us to harness that for his glory and, and putting us in a path of being led by his spirit. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.